that's a great spot. So, why don't we all have a seat? I know those of you sitting on the wooden chairs want to make sure their butts don't fall asleep. <laughs> I just want to get into the word. And so, um, you know, we're going to be in the book of James today. And I'll tell you, it's just weird when you're out of your normal field. So, hey, uh, we're going to be in the book of James chapter 1 again today. And uh, Emily, I, gotta, I need to ask you a question. What does OJT stand for? Because obviously you have not had it if you don't know what it means. Does anybody know what OJT stands for? On the job training. Have you ever had on the job training? Yes. Okay. What is on the job training? Watch and what was that other part? And do. Okay, so on the job training, when you go through OJT, they're not just teaching you stuff. You're not just getting information, you're not just getting facts, so that way you can just take it home, right? The idea is that they are training you to do the job, right? Okay? Because it makes no sense just to learn it and not apply it. Well, that's where we are in the book of James. You know, last week we looked at the, um, the idea of receiving God's word, alright? Being receptive to it, because that's literally the beginning part of everything when it comes to the Word of God. When it comes to receiving the Word, you have two groups of people, only two. You have people who hear the Word and reject it, and you have people who hear the Word and they receive it. Okay, There are people who don't have a receptive heart, and they reject it, they say, no, I don't need it, and they walk away. But then there are people who hear the Word, receive it, and they're receptive to it. And that's what we looked at last week. We looked at five marks of a receptive heart. Now today, just like on-the-job training, you watch, you hear, you learn, and then, as Emily said, you do. This is where James is now moving. He's moving from, hey, um, let's not just receive the word, but let's do the word. Last week was about having a receptive heart. Today is about having a responding heart. And so today I want to look at five marks of a, or of a responding heart. So you have your outlines, obviously no PowerPoint or anything, but if you have a notebook, take some notes. If you need a Bible, if you need a Bible, raise your hand because I want to put one in your hand. It's going to be very important that you kind of follow along with me in the Word. Because now, oh, we got power. So those of you who turn on your Bibles, you can turn on your Bibles now. And so, um, so here's the first mark of a responding heart. A responding heart moves from just hearing God's word to doing God's word. A responding heart moves from just hearing God's word to doing God's word. So in James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, James writes this, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do you see the movement? Okay, last week was all about, he's like, hey, you've heard the word, you've received the word, and that's the starting point. We got to hear the word. We got to, you know, you hear it preached, you hear it taught, you read the word. That's the receiving part of it, okay? Now, James is like, that's great. You've heard the word, you've received the word, but what does he say? Do it. It's on the job training. You've, you've received the, the instruction, now let's put it into practice. Now, that doesn't mean that we 
stop hearing the word. Okay? We got to keep receiving the word. Everybody agree on that? Because receiving the word is important. But here's the problem. Receiving the word can't be the only thing. Because there's a lot of Christians who like to listen to a lot of pastors. Okay? I mean, there are, I mean I've, I've talked to people who are like, oh, I listen to so-and-so pastor on the radio at this time. And then I got another pastor on the radio I like to listen to at you know, in the afternoon. And then I like to watch this pastor on TV. And I like to read these books. And we get a lot of information. But sometimes we can take a message, we can take a, a sermon... And it just really turns into a religious lecture, okay? It's just something I like to hear. I just like to hear different pastors preach. Or we like to read different books what different pastors have written. Or even I like to, to read the Bible because I like to, to read the stories. I want to get the information. I like the facts. But here's the thing. Hearing a message just for a lecture or reading the Bible just for facts can't be the end point. The apex of your faith cannot be, I have more information about the Bible. I listen to the Bible. No, it's got to be, I hear the word, I receive the word, but what do I do? I do the word. I put it into practice. I apply what I'm learning. And that's what James is talking about here. He's talking about the importance of putting this thing into practice. Hear it. But do it. Because notice what he says. He, he, the, the, how, how, how he's stressing this. When he says, don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Question. Do what it says. Is that a suggestion? Come on in, guys. We had no power earlier, so we had to <laughs> improvise. So um, there may be seats in the back. Sit, sit wherever you like. <laughs> So let me ask you, do what it says. Is that a suggestion or a command? command. It's a command. James is not like, okay, you know what? If you feel like it, do what the Bible says. Do what God says. Only if you feel like it. Or if you get around to it. Or if you're comfortable with it. No, no, he's like, you've heard what it says, and he just, it's a blanket statement. Do what it says. And you notice he doesn't put any, like, do only what you like. No, he says what? Do what it says. That means all of God's word. Not just portions of it. Not just the parts that are convenient. Not just the parts that I like. Because anybody other than me, you've read, some, you've read some stuff in the Bible and you're like, that's hard and I don't like doing that. Okay? None of us, I don't think, really like um, forgiving and blessing people who have hurt us. Anybody on that train with me? No, that's hard. And no, that's a command. That's part of God's word. So guess what? We've got to learn to put into practice. When people hurt us, we've got to figure out ways to forgive, figure out ways to, to pray for them. Oh, come on, Jim, you're stepping on my toes. But that's part of God's word. There are things in God's word that is hard, but that doesn't exempt us from not doing it. James gives a very strong de declaration, do what it says. But notice, he says in there, he says, don't merely listen to your words and deceive yourself. James is saying, listen, if you can only hear the word and you don't do it, you're deceived. 
Now, here's the thing. James is using this word deceive three times in chapter 1. The first one is when he's talking about, in verse 16, he says, Don't be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heaven. There's the first deception. This is the second deception. Then the third deception comes in verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he deceives himself. James is all about deception. Because the problem is, if I'm being deceived, I'm being fooled. I'm being tricked. And James does not want us fooled and tricked in regards to God's word. And so he's saying, if you think you can just hear the word, just take it in, take it in, take it in, and you don't do it, you're deceived. Why are we deceived, though? Why is it so important that when I hear the word, when I receive the word, I've got a receptive heart to the word, but why am I deceived if I don't do the word? And it's simple. Because when you and I, we can hear the word, but when we make the decision to say, I don't want to do the word, then what I'm saying is, I don't need to do it God's way. I have a better way. I want to do it my way. And the problem is when we think we have a better way or we start doing it my way, I don't want to do it God's way, I can figure this out on my own, and I think I can do a pretty good job. Guess what happens at, at about that point? We start making a mess of our life. Because Proverbs makes it very clear. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man. Notice it says seems right. But it says, but it only leads to death. Okay. So here's what happens when we receive the word, we hear the word preached, we may read some good books, we hear, we read it, and we see what the Bible has to say. Um, when we don't do it, life will go this way. Instead of going the path of God, we start taking a right and we end up in a ditch, we take a left and end up in a ditch. The Bible has some really good application for marriage. It has really good application for dating. It has really good application for if you're single and how to live as a single person. It has a lot of great application for finances. It has a lot of great application about the words that come out of our mouth, how we treat people. There's a lot of great <coughs> application in the Bible. But what happens is when I choose not to do the word of God and I... I see what the Bible has to say about marriage, but I'm going to do my own thing. What we end up with is 50% um, of Christian marriages ending in divorce. When you and I see what the Bible has to say about money and finances, and we're like, no, I don't want to listen to God's word. What we end up with is, is with a lot of Christians living in debt, not giving, being selfish, and coveting more stuff. When we have... Um, the Bible teaching us and showing us how to um, respond with our words and, and, and speak the, correctly. When we don't do that, um, what we have is a mess of people being angry and hateful on Facebook. Okay, there, there are all kinds of problems that happen in our life when we choose not to do God's word. When we see what God's word tells us about growing in our faith and maturing as a believer in Christ, and we put these things in practice, we will grow and mature. But when we don't do that and we choose not to do that, 
what you see is you watch people walk away from the church. Because what happens is when I'm not growing and maturing in my faith and a storm comes into my life, that's when people are like, if that's the way God is, I don't want it. You see, the Bible is very clear. It's very clear that if we hear the word, we have to do it. That's why, again, if you look at verses 26 and 27, it, it gives us just a snippet of, of what doing the word looks like. Again, I, I talked about this last week. I just read this, but in verse 26, he says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, you see, that's the doing. My religious part is I hear the word, I receive the word, I know what the Bible says, but I don't keep a tight rein on my tongue. Meaning, I know what the Bible says about my tongue, I know what the Bible says about my words, but you know what, I'm not going to do it. And James says, if you can't do that, he says, you deceive yourself and your religion's worthless. You may know a lot about the Bible. You may have a lot of facts in your head. You may hear a lot of preachers. You may have a lot of doctrine. But James makes it very clear, but if you can't keep your tongue on the right level, you can't say right things. If your tongue's not building people up and it's just tearing people down, you're saying things that's harmful, your religion's worthless. The facts that you have and the knowledge you have means nothing. Why? Because I'm not putting it into practice. I'm not doing it. And even verse 27, he said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faith um, faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, those are doing things. Taking care of orphans and widows is not just specifically just that, but it's caring for people, you know, helping people. It's, it's the guy that's standing on the corner. I'm homeless, and, and you got 20 bucks in your pocket. Well, Jim, if I give him 20 bucks, what if he goes buy, what if he goes buy alcohol? That's not up to you. You just take care of and be nice to a person. And let that person and God deal with whatever he does with it. It's just being kind. Okay? It's doing what God's word says. And not being polluted by the world just simply means I'm not letting the culture corrupt my Christianity. And that, well, how does that happen? By being a doer of the word. If I'm being a doer of the word, the culture is not corrupting me. Okay? So James is just telling us, if you truly are a believer in Christ, one of the first things about a responding heart is this. You are doing what the Word says. We're moving from just hearing to doing. Here's the second thing. A responding heart doesn't dismiss but applies what is, re what is revealed. A responding heart doesn't dismiss but applies what has been revealed. Look at verse 23 and 24. So he says, don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law. Now I'm going to get to verse 25 in here in just a second. But he's showing this illustration between looking into the word and looking into a mirror. So let me ask you. Um, if, when you look in a mirror, do you look in a mirror with a purpose? Or do you just look in the mirror and go, oh, okay, and walk away? There's a purpose for it. Ladies, why do you look in a mirror most of the time? Figure out what my hair's doing. 
What, that's what Emily did. Flip the hair. What's my hair doing? Okay. Now, when you figure out what your hair is doing, do you look at it and go, oh, man, look at this mess and walk away? Or do you look at the mess and go, oh, i got to fix this thing? Do you look in the mirror for your makeup and one eye has like mascara running down your face and you're like, oh, well, that looks bad. Oh, well, and walk away or do you, oh, man, i got to fix that. You see the mess and you got to fix it. Okay. A mirror reveals what's happening to us. It reveals if, if you got a you know you button your shirt wrong, you look in the mirror and your shirt's all crooked. This you're like, oh man, I gotta fix that. You're gonna see things that are not right. Guess what the Bible does? The exact same thing. When you start to read it, when you start to receive it, you got that receptive heart. It's gonna reveal things about you. It's gonna show you where your weak spots are. And so guess what? So. It, it, it's going to um, show you if your prayer life is anemic. As soon as you start to read about prayer in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you know what? Um, you haven't been praying for like forever. What's going on? And that's going to, you're going to, feel, you're going to sense that. If there's sin in your life, the, 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 the word's going to, it's going to pierce that. If, if you have resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness toward people, the, the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, will reveal that. So the idea is, as I look in the mirror of God's Word, and God's Word starts to reflect things about my life, here's the question I have to ask myself. When the Word starts to reveal things, am I going to dismiss it? <coughs> or am I going to apply what the Word is saying? How I many of you know that's an option we all have? Because a lot of times, we just don't like what the Bible's revealing about us. Because remember, um, I've, I've said this, um, this teaching of James is going to be um, 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 hard, what? Hard. hard. Okay? And so, when you start receiving the word, you read it, the Bible is going to illuminate the darkness and the ugliness in our lives. It's going to reveal to you if you've got mascara running down your face. It's going to reveal if your shirt's not buttoned right. It's going to reveal if your hair is a mess. But the question is, is when you're looking in the mirror of God's word, am I going to step out and start doing what it's telling me? Or am I going to dismiss it and continue in the mess? I'm going to continue and go out in public with my hair looking like a beehive. I'm going to go out with mascara running down my face. I'm going to go out with my zipper down. I'm going to go out because I just don't care. Or do I take God's word as a mirror and I look at it and I see what the Holy Spirit's revealing about me and I start to go, you know what? I want, I want, I want, I want the mess cleaned up. I don't want the sin of my life. I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to act like that. I want to... I want to be a doer of the word. And so James is, is showing us that the Bible, just like a mirror, it's going to reveal the ugliness. It's going to reveal your shortcomings. But it's not a bad thing. Because God loves us so much that he's like, man, I love you where you are. Just come as you are. But when you get here, we're going to work on cleaning you up. And that's the good news. Because, man, I'm, I don't want to continue living in my mess. And I hope you're in the same boat, that if, you, if the Holy Spirit's revealing messy stuff in your life, that you're like, I don't want to stay here anymore. Let's work on this thing. That's the good news about the Word of God. Here's the third mark. 
about a responding heart. A responding heart that searches God's word discovers freedom. A responding heart that searches God's word discovers freedom. Now look at verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now let me stop right there. There's three chunks in that, in that verse that we need to look at. First, notice it says the man or the person that looks intently. All right? Intently. It, it, it's the idea that you are looking into the Word of God with a purpose. You're searching. All right? Um, um, it, it's not just a casual glance. Um, how many of you have ever lost your keys five minutes before you had to go to work? <laughs> Do you just kind of give a casual glance? You're like, look at the table like, no, nope, they're not there. Oh, well. Or you're like, okay, everybody, hands on deck. Stop what you're doing. Turn the TV off. Get off the computer. Look for my keys. And you're what? You're searching in the bed, in the couch cushions. You're looking at where would the dog taken them. You're out in the yard. You're looking underneath your seats in your car. You're looking everywhere. You are looking on purpose. You're searching with the intent to find something. Okay? The idea of, of that word intently is the idea of bending over, actually. Because when you're looking for something, you're bending over, like, where'd it go? It's the idea of when the, the disciples came to the tomb, and, and like the book of John chapter 20, uh, Peter and John came to the tomb, and when they saw that Jesus was gone, it says they bent over, and it was like they were searching the tomb. They were like, okay, what? Th this is impossible. And they looked intently into the tomb. That's what James is saying here. He's like, when you look intently into the Word of God, when you truly examine it and read it and search it, you're just not doing a flyby over it. You're not just run doing a 30,000-foot flyover, man. You are like walking across the United States, and you're seeing things. That's what he's getting at here. And so he says, when you look intently into the perfect law. Now, let's not get confused here. When he talks about the perfect law, he's not talking about the law of Moses. He's talking about the idea of all scripture, okay? That as, as uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, or 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, says that all scripture is God-breathed, that's where he's hitting here. It's, it's the entire, you know, all scripture. For us, both Old and New Testament, it becomes the law of God, all right? It, it's the word of God. It's the scriptures of God. And it becomes the guiding light post for your life and my life. And he says, so when you look into this perfect law, this word of God, look what he says. When you look into this thing intently, that gives freedom. All right. Some of you may have a version that says liberty. All right. It gives liberty. It gives freedom. Here's what Paul or James is saying here, is that when you look intently into the word of God, when you start to see what it says, when you start to take it in, you're going to realize doing the word of God actually brings freedom. The enemy and the world, the culture, wants to convince us that living in sin or living how I want, doing what I want, that's real freedom. And living according to the Bible is bondage. It's so restrictive. How many of you ever heard, maybe you've said, oh, the Bible, it's so restrictive. And we think we're in chains in it. But here's the thing. Um, the Bible makes it very clear that what God says is the exact opposite of what the world says. What the, God says what is up, the world says is down. 
All right? It is, it is the world is the, have you ever done that? Um, you, you, you dropped your PBJ sandwich, and it, how does it always fall? Down. Peanut butter side down. All right? And, and the world picks it up, and the hair, and they're thinking, hey, that's right. And you look at it and go, now that's a mess. Okay? The world says the Bible is a mess. But God says the Bible brings you freedom. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We've all heard that. You know, you hear people say, and the truth will set you free. But the problem is they take that out of context. Jesus says, no, 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 no. The truth will set you free, but it's what? The truth of his word. And he goes, the only way the truth of my word sets you free is by you abiding in it. Meaning, I'm in it, and I'm doing it, I'm living it. And as, as the word of God is being out of my life. And then he goes on in this verse, and he says, and, and the people he was teaching this to, they respond to him. He says, why we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved by anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You see, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you'll find freedom. But if you practice sin, you're a slave to it. See, the world says it's the exact opposite. No, 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 no. You practice sin, you are free because you get to do what you want. But you live according to the Bible? Man, you're, it's like you're in bondage. No. You see, that's why you and I have got to have a vertical perspective. That we live our life according to, hey, this is what God says. And if God says living according to his word is freedom, then that's what I'm going to believe. You know, in the book of Psalm, chapter 119, verse 45, it says, he said, uh, David writes, he says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. You see, here's the thing. When you and I live according to God's word, when we receive it, we've got that receptive part, and then we begin to do it, and we respond to it, guess what? I don't have to wonder and worry if I live according to, my, to God's word in my marriage. I never have to worry, am I going to mess it up with an affair? It's the person who says, you know what? I think that person at work is pretty cute. And I'm going to just see if they want to go out for a cup of coffee. And then we start, we start to dialogue. We start to, and before you know it, you're developing feelings for someone that you shouldn't. And so when I start to live outside the boundaries of God's word, all of a sudden, I'm making a mess of things. Take your money, for example. The Bible makes it very clear how you and I should handle our money. It talks about saving. It talks about giving. It talks about being generous. It talks about not being selfish with our money and not coveting things. But yet when we decide to, I'm going to start coveting things because I want more stuff. And I'm not going to give to the church. I'm not going to be generous with my money. But I'm going to spend everything on myself. The next thing we know is, man, we're living in debt. We're buried up over our heads. We want more stuff. We want a bigger house. We want more toys. Why? Because we're living outside the boundary of God's word. And we are in prison to debt. We're in prison and enslaved to coveting. But God's word gives us freedom. And I never have to wonder, am I making a mess of my life? If I am following God's word. You see, when people say that God's word is so restrictive, 
when God's when you read God's word and he says don't do something you know what God's really saying to you don't hurt yourself because God knows he puts things in he puts things in place because he knows holy cow um, the overflow of our hearts get us in trouble all right the Bible says the heart is wicked beyond all things and no one can understand it listen there are things inside of you that will boil out so quickly and before you know it, you can make a mess. How many of you know you're one mistake away from just destroying your life? Mm -hmm. Just one bad mistake. And when we choose to live beyond God's word, when, when people think it, that God's word is restricted, no, God is just saying, I want, to, I want you to protect yourself. Because God knows, man, you don't know what's really inside of you. And if you let it come out, you're going to go down a path you wish you wouldn't have begun on. A responding heart. finds freedom in God's word. Here's the fourth thing. A responding heart continuously does what God says. It continuously does this thing. So in verse 25, the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, continues to do it, all right? We don't stop doing it. That word continue in the Greek actually means to remain, to stay on it, to persevere. I don't stop, okay? You and I never get to a place in our, our, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual journey, we, we never get to a place where, like, you know what? I came to Christ when I was 18. I'm 60 today. I've been a Christian a long time. I think I can stop because I know a lot. I'm pretty mature in my faith. I don't need to do what God says anymore. How many of you know that's off the table? You don't ever stop. Here's, the, here's when you stop doing the word of God. When you don't breathe anymore. When your heart's not beating anymore. When God finally says, come home, that's when you stop doing the word. But for right now, guess what you and I continue to do? Day by day, moment by moment. It's actually something that's habitual. All right, It's a habit in our lives. We just do the word of God. Now, here's the thing. We don't do the word of God because, and here's a, you know, as I pondered this message, you'll hear this from some people. Well, you know, you're just being so legalistic in this idea of doing the word of God. Doing the word of God is not legalism. Doing the word of God is what God wants us to do. Okay? And so when we do the word of God and we continue to do the word of God, we are just simply doing what the Bible tells us to do. You know, Jesus says, when he was talking to a crowd and some woman, you know, spurts out and she, she's like, blessed is the woman who gave you birth. And he's like, no, no. Rather, blessed is he who hears my word and obeys it. That's the good thing, okay? And the idea of, of doing God's word is because it's about God. It's about Christ, to honor him. We don't do this out of legalism. We don't do this out of drudgery. We don't do this, well, Jim preached on it. I guess I have to, no. We do this because we are in the word and the Holy Spirit's convicting us. And out of reverence to Christ, we continue to do the word of God. And then lastly, a responding heart is blessed 
by doing God's work. A responding heart is blessed by doing God's work. So again, all of verse 25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. As you do the word of God, Scripture makes it very clear. You are blessed. Again, Jesus says, no, people who do my word and obey it, they're the ones that are blessed. As we continue to do this thing, as, you know, I like what Paul says to, um, to Tim, uh, in, in, where is it? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says, he, he's saying this to, to Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have hurt, learned and have been convinced of. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, listen, you have been convinced of the truth of Christ. You, you know what he's done for you. You've come to receive him as your Savior. Now, here's what I want you to do. What you have learned, continue in this thing, because Paul knows, man, there's a blessing in it. Your life will not be the same. Your life will be different. It will be changed. As you, you learn this thing, you hear it, you receive it, and you continue to do it, your life changes. That's the blessing. Now, here's the thing. Let's be honest. Um, how many of you would think um, the word blessed is thrown around just so much? Okay? I mean, when, you know, at, after, after any political rally, what's the last few words? God bless America. It doesn't matter how bad we are as a country. It doesn't matter what's going. God bless America. We, we throw around the word blessed, and what we do is we define it that, that I'm happy because of what's happening in my life. So if, if I get a pay raise at work, man, I'm blessed. If, if my kids get straight A's, man, we're blessed. If, 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 the, if I am able to, to purchase a new car, we're blessed. Okay? When good things are happening, to, that's how we equate being blessed. Hashtag blessed. All right? But the problem with defining blessings simply as good things, now don't get me wrong, how many of you know God does bless us with good things and we say God has blessed us? All right? But we need to understand that there's a deeper level of blessing with James is talking about here. James isn't talking about surface-level things. He's talking about the idea of where the word blessed actually means it's an eternal happiness, a satisfaction, a fulfillment. In fact, the word blessed can also be defined as fortunate. You are fortunate to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay? That in Christ we find our fulfillment. Because how many people try to find fulfillment in their jobs? Money. Sex, drugs, whatever it may be. We're trying to find fulfillment in so many secular things only to back away and go what? I don't feel satisfied. I feel an emptiness still inside. Sure, I've got all these blessings on the outside, but something's wrong on the inside. Because Paul's trying to tell Peter, James, <laughs> holy cow, got all these guys running through my head. James is trying to drill down on to get us to understand that the blessing isn't just because you have good things on the outside, but that your life is transforming. Your life is changing. That's the real blessing. I like how Warren Wiersbe in his commentary says it. He describes it this way. Blessed is an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that does not depend on outward circumstances for happiness. 
those who are blessed have lives that are rightly aligned. Rightly aligned with what? Your job? Your finances? No. Rightly aligned with Christ. That's my real blessing. Man, I've got my life aligned with Christ in a perfect way. That's what really matters. So what happens is then the real blessing is I'm doing the word of God. I have this sense of, like, I'm satisfied. A sense of security. Jesus says it this way in the book of Matthew chapter 7. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blow, blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The house represents a person. And that, again, notice that, you know, James says you're, you can either be deceived or you're blessed. And J Jesus is like, you're either wise or foolish, according to what we do with the word of God. And so Jesus is saying, if you want security in your life, if you want to feel a strength that, that can only come from one thing, is doing the word of God. Because when you start to do the word of God, guess what? It doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. I know what the word of God says. And as I put it into practice, as I apply it to my life, guess what? Life can be to just come against me. And I stay strong through it all. Why? Because I know what the Bible says. I'm putting it into practice. I'm trusting God. And so that means when I'm trusting God, man, I'm putting that into practice. When I'm going through the storm, God, I'm trusting you. I, I believe in you. I know you're coming through. And I allow him to be God. I put it into practice. Doing God's word brings the blessing. The question is, do you want to be blessed? And again, it's not that you're going to go get a pay raise at work. It's not that you're going to be healed of some kind of sickness. Those can be blessings, but the real blessing is that, man, you have an inner peace inside, an inner satisfaction, an inner joy, an inner happiness that says, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens in my life. I'm anchored, and I'm on the rock because I am doing what God's word says. Amen? Amen. Okay, why don't we all stand? Let me pray us out of here. So just bow our heads. I just want to just take a moment, just a, a moment in this time. Just reflect where you're at. Are you a doer of God's word? Are you deceived? Or are you blessed? Are you foolish or are you wise? Are you just coming to church, you hear a message, and then you walk out and you just kind of do your own thing? Or when you hear the message, when you read the word, is it going in, challenging you, and then changing you? And that changing is are you becoming a doer of the word. So Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you that it is 
It's always life-altering. But Father, the question is, are we looking in the mirror and we see the mess and are we just walking away forgetting what your word has said? Or are we doing it, applying it? Father, the reality is it's hard. There's some things that your word tells us to do that we don't like. It's hard to do, Father. But we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. And Lord, I just pray that all of us, whether we are a teenager, an adult, and God, we are looking at your word and we're saying, I want to be a, a doer of it. Not just dismissing it, but applying it. And so, Father, I just thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you're going to do. And we do praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we end with this, the doxology? Sounds good.